Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Gentlemen, welcome to the Rifleman Radio Show. The Rifleman Radio Show is brought to you by the Appleseed Project, which is the sole project of the Revolutionary War Veterans Association. The Revolutionary War Veterans Association is dedicated to bringing you the absolute best fundamentals of rifle marksmanship program in the United States today. The absolute best. <clears throat> we worked very, very hard. At our craft, we've worked hard at uh, designing and building the program and being able to, br- to provide you the instruction in such a way that we can give you 20 years' worth of fundamentals in, uh, in one weekend. Uh, 
Sorry, I've got the and the tackle dogs here right at the last second. <clears throat> We're going to bring you a a full 20 years worth of fundamentals in one weekend. Now, I'm not telling you that we're going to teach you uh, 20 years' worth of stuff in one weekend. What I'm saying is that we're going to give you all of the skills, the techniques, all of the uh, the secret uh, bits of information, and it takes you 20 years to find out on your own. We're going to put them all together for you in one package in one weekend. <clears throat> While we're doing that, we're going to talk to you about the folks who actually uh, brought on the birth of of this nation, the men and women who stood together in ranks on April 19, 1775, the reasons why they did it, what happened on that day, and who were involved. This is is a lot of information on history that you usually don't get anywhere else, but we're going to bring it to you, all right? That's what we do, and we're actually... The program has really uh, been tweaked to where we are very, very good for all skill levels. I mean, if you come to the to an, uh, an apple seed event and you have no experience whatsoever, matter of fact, you've never even seen a rifle until we uh, help you take it out of the box uh, that you just got it in, or if you're coming to an event because you're prepping to go to a uh, a SWAT sniper school, any other police sniper schools, any of the uh, military uh, advanced shooting courses, then you're guaranteed uh, to benefit from this weekend, all right? If you're an American wondering what you can do, you yourself, you're one singular person, what you can do to help safeguard the freedoms and liberties that living in this nation affords you, then we've got information for you, too. We're going to explain all of this to you in two days. And on top of that, you're going to get a free T-shirt. And we're giving it to you at the lowest cost of any of the rifle marksmanship programs around. All right? If you come to the event and you're not in one of the free categories, then you're going to pay 70 bucks. 70 bucks is a... is up to ten times less than what you can pay a lot of other two-day courses. Uh, if you are law enforcement, you're going to shoot free. If you're active duty guard and reserve, you're going to shoot free. And why these folks? Why do they get? Why do they get uh, free status? <clears throat> well, it's kind of obvious, isn't it? Uh, these these two uh, categories of folks are folks that uh, every single day. That's what they're doing. All right, they're having to employ uh, their rifles in situations every single day. We want them to have the uh, the best abilities, the best skills, the best techniques they can have in order to protect us, the law enforcement officers and uh, the military. <clears throat> now, if you are a uh, female and you want to come and shoot, we're only going to charge you ten bucks, and uh, why is this? Because uh, because women can't afford it? No. It's because we want a guy to come to an event, and we really we'd like for him to bring his whole family, but we don't want to drain every penny out of their pockets either. So we want to make it where the 
where a man can bring himself and his family to the event and get everybody through the course uh, for the least dollars possible. So if you're a female, ten bucks. If you're a kid, it's five bucks. So even uh, even at that price, you yourself and your two kids, you're only paying uh, ninety bucks for four folks. All right, that's a deal. We would do it free if we could, but we can't. There has to be there has to be some money that's paid to the target printers, to the shirt printers, uh, to the uh, uh, hotels, to the airports, etc., to get the instructors to where they're going. So if we could make it free, we would, but we can't. But we made it so low that it's very easy to do. And I'll tell you again, too, that if uh, if you want to go, and, and something right now is... Uh, has caused you to be strapped for cash, then you send me an email, send me a PM, give me a call on the phone, and we'll talk to you and see if we can't uh, get you run through anyway and uh, maybe set up some kind of deal where you can pay later or uh, or you write your name in the blood and say that you're going to become an instructor. Uh, we'll, we'll figure out some way to get you through. Like I said, we're not we're not interested in making money. We're interested in making riflemen, all right? <clears throat> Now another way you can save money is this: if you go to if you go to a uh, Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship event and you paid for your uh, for your weekend, then if you also while you're registering, if you click on the uh, become a member of Appleseed or join RWVA, uh, you pay your twenty dollar dues for one year. You take that uh, receipt for the paid weekend. Take the receipt for your paid app, uh, RWVA dues to the event with you. If you go to the event and you shoot and you don't make uh, a 210 or above on the AQT, which is the rifleman standards, then you can go to the shoot boss afterwards, show him those two receipts, and he will uh, be glad to affix a sticker to your membership card and put you in the rifleman's opportunity program. That means you'll shoot for... Uh, a full year for free or until you shoot to rifle standards, all right? We're doing everything we can to get you uh, on the line and shooting, all right? Uh, now, the other thing that you'll need to know is where do I go? How do I get to an event? Where do I find an event? And what you can do is go to rwva.org. That's our homepage. On the homepage, there's a list of tabs across the top. Look at the second one from the left. It'll say uh, Appleseed. You put your cursor on that, you'll get a drop-down menu. On the drop-down menu, select Schedule. And that will take you to the listing of the events. Uh, well, it'll take you to a page first that has a map of the United States on it. You can put your cursor on that map on the state where you'd like to attend an event, Click on that, and it will bring up the events in that state. Or you can look into the text up above the map. There's a hot link embedded in the text. You can click on that. That will give you a list of all the events across the United States. <clears throat> once you've gone to that list and you're looking at the dates and stuff, once you've seen one that uh, is going to work for you, don't think about attending it. Attend it. Don't think about that. That might be a good thing for you to do at some point in the future. It's not. 
It's not a good thing for you to do at some point in the future. It's a good thing for you to do today. There will be two tabs to the right of the the event. One says information. You click on that and you'll get all the information for that specific event on that specific day. You'll get uh, where, the, where the event's being held, the uh, uh, directions, who's hosting the event, contact information, etc. Then the next hot link says register. Now what we'd like you to do is pre-register. That does uh, that helps both of us out, all right? And make sure that you have a place on the line. And and that's not always guaranteed. Uh, for most events, you can walk on, and they'll have a place there with your name on it waiting for you that you can uh, that you can get on the line in. <clears throat> but it's also not uncommon for an event to sell out. All right, we have that happen all the time. So if you show up to an event that's already sold out, we'll do our best to try and get you on the line. But the reason that it's sold out is because we don't have any more space on the line to put people down. So you may have made your run out there for nothing. I'm sure you can still listen to what everybody's uh, to the instruction stuff, but you won't be able to shoot. All right. So make sure that you have uh, reserved your place on the line by pre-registering. That also helps the program by letting us know how many people are going to attend an event, because that's what we base uh, uh, the number of instructors that we send, uh, the amount of gear, etc on the number of folks who have pre-registered. <clears throat> and uh, there have been cases where events have sold out ahead of time, and we knew this because they pre-registered and it showed it was sold out. And we've contacted the uh, range there and secured additional line and opened the registrations back up. And in one case, we uh, leased a range, uh, you know, five miles away from that one and opened the registrations back up and sent another full team up there to to run a sister event in the same town. But I guarantee you this, we won't do that if we don't know it's going to be sold out. The only way we're going to know if it's sold out is by pre-registers. So make sure that uh, when you take a look at these events, don't think about going someday in the future. All right? The, the someday in the future thing is a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe for failures and uh, lost opportunities. Registering today is a recipe for success. So make sure that you pre-register once you uh, decide on what event you're going to attend. <clears throat> All right. Uh, I want to uh, I want to thank my call screener for doing such an excellent job. Uh, he's, uh, he's always here. He always has everything uh, up and running, ready to go. He always does a fantastic job. And uh, he's going to, I can't see the chat room right now, even though I made sure that I had everything, uh, all of the latest uh, uh, Flash Player and everything else uh, downloaded. For some reason, it's not pulling it up for me. So I'll just have to, to wait. Until then, uh, if the call screener, if you'll put the call-in number in the chat room, it's 347 Three zero eight eight seven nine zero. Because at the beginning of the shows, what we like to do is give you guys a chance to call in and say thank you to your local crews, to congratulate folks in your crews or members who attended any of that, 
and congratulate them on the jobs that they're doing. <clears throat> you guys have heard me say this a thousand times now that here at Appleseed, we're absolutely fantastic at uh, riding the horses into the dirt, <clears throat> riding them hard and putting them away wet because because we have a mission, and it's an important mission. I wish we were better at telling people thanks, but uh, and and I'm hoping that someday we will get better. But right now, it's going to be up to uh, each of you guys to toot your own horn and horn and, and thank your own guys. And you should be doing that anyway. So give us a call, 347-308-8790, because I know that every single crew out there uh, has somebody that they want to thank, either one of their crew members or one of the uh, folks who attended an event. Every single event has somebody who made an impact on another person's life either one of the instructors uh, that you worked with did. If you attended the event, and maybe one of the instructors uh, helped you to get over a uh, a hump so that you could shoot to 210 or above, or just got you on the path of learning how to become a rifleman, you can call in, too, and say thanks. If you're an instructor and you just had somebody pass their uh, PC-123, 4, their full instructor, their senior instructor, if somebody just shot the rifle in standards and you just handed them the hat, then we want to hear about it. Every time you guys call in, uh, even if it's about this, this tiniest thing, I mean, it, it always opens a floodgate, and it's just a, uh, a great bit of conversation that occurs after that. So don't be afraid. Call in. The call screener is a sweet, lovable man. He will help you uh, get set up for it. And uh, he'll let me know what you want to talk about, and then we'll get you on the air. For my part, I want to thank uh, uh, Andrew Conrad. This is uh, uh, Reliable's son, I mean, a grandson. Uh, Reliable has been coming to events uh, for the last almost three years here at... uh, in Davila. And well, I've been running uh uh events here in Davila nonstop since uh back in uh the middle of 2007. We've had an event every single weekend since 2007. And I also had the first uh the first rifleman's boot camp outside of Ramsher uh in uh, Davila. Uh, that same year, 2007, and we've had uh, a rifleman's boot camp every year, and some, and usually two, uh, every year since then. <clears throat> well, Unreliable has been coming every single weekend since. Uh, let's see, I believe it was. Uh, I believe it was early 2009. And uh, he can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was early 2009. He's been coming every single week, every single month. He's been coming to every event. Always there, always on time, always helps me set up. Uh, And if there's a dirty job, I don't ever have to worry about doing it alone because he always helps me. Uh, There were several times that uh, that the porta cans weren't emptied. And... uh, and being a uh, an old first sergeant, he had certainly 
learned the the remedies for that, and uh, I of course had had worked uh, porta potties on fire bases myself, so I knew how. And he's always helped me with even the, the ugliest jobs. He's always there. He's always helpful. He's always ready. Now then he started bringing his grandson. Uh, let's see. Yeah, almost three years ago, he started bringing his grandson. And his grandson, Andrew, has been shooting for quite a while now with the Appleseed Project. I believe he started when he was 12, and and we worked with him, and we got him to shoot to rifleman standards. <clears throat> then he got an orange hat, and he's been helping us for the last couple of years. Well, he just turned 15 last week, and uh, that put him... Uh, uh, that let him uh, go for his full instructor test, and he did. And he passed his full instructor test, did a great job running the event. Uh, he's up, he's nice and tight on everything, his history, everything. He does a great job. <clears throat> and we gave him his hat. Now, on top of that, because he's been like a kid brother to us for the the last few years, we went a little step farther. We got all of the Appleseed crews, all of the instructors here in Texas, uh, pitched in what they could, and uh, and Mark went to CMP and got him a very nice uh, M1 Garand rifle and uh, a ammo can of ammunition. And we presented it to him there on the Sunday after we'd given him his hat. And he also had one of his buddies that he drug in that uh, shot to rifleman standards that day, and he's now an orange hat. So the program is is reaching a lot of the folks we need it to reach. Now you may say, "Wow, a grand that uh, that's a pretty uh, pretty big." Uh, uh, award for him shooting two rifleman standards and working for two years as an IIT and then passing his red hat and becoming a full instructor. And you're probably right. That is a big award for that. But but the award was because he had set himself a goal and he had stuck with it. He stuck with it for several years until he had achieved his goal. And we wanted to we wanted him to get something extra for that. At the same time, it was kind of our way too of of showing his grandfather how much we appreciated his grandfather. And uh, we did we showed his grandfather how much we appreciated him by doing something really nice for his grandson. Make sure that you're working as hard as you can to bring in the young folks to the program. Bringing them into the program, uh, letting them get a taste of uh, of having adult responsibilities and conducting themselves as professionals, as adults, even though they're not adults. They're conducting themselves in a professional way like an adult. Uh, one of the things that uh, Andrew told me 
when we spoke about this, because uh, some of the notes I gave him was that uh, you know he needs to uh, he needs to be more assertive in some of his instruction. And his reply to me was, "Well, I I don't feel like I'm y'all's equal." And I answered him back by saying, "Well, you're not our equal. You're not an adult. Uh, you're a young man, but." You are equal as far as uh, as passing the same requirements that we have to do for uh, becoming an apple seed instructor, and you're certainly uh, allowed to take the responsibility of your rank. <clears throat> so he did a very important thing, and I can tell you it has changed the direction of his life, and it does that many, many times a month all across the nation when we involve the young folks in the program when when the young folks are treated as young adults they're treated respectfully by the instructors they're asked to conduct themselves as young adults in a professional fashion not just uh, our young instructors but the young attendees when you do this Many times it's a, their first opportunity uh, to be treated in that fashion, and uh, and it is a life-changing uh, event for them. And how do I know this? Because they told me this. They've told me kids who who came uh, four years ago, five years ago, <clears throat> are older now. Uh, and they actually are adults now. And uh, they've written me, they've emailed me or called me and said, hey, I just want you to know that that was a, that was a changing point in my life. Uh, that's the effect that we're having on these people. So make sure that you're paying attention to the young folks, that you're getting folks involved in the program, and, uh, and that we're passing this heritage, this legacy down uh, to the young folks. <clears throat> All right, uh, the number is 347-308-8790, and my, the line should be filled up <clears throat> because I know that everyone has someone that they want to thank, and this is going to be one of the ways that you can do it, 347-308-8790. Now, maybe... Uh, Maybe I'm not the only one having trouble with the chat room, <clears throat> but uh, I'm giving you the number on the air here. So 347-308-8790. That's the number that, uh, that we want you to call in, <clears throat> and uh, we'll get you on the air. And it doesn't have to be just... Uh, uh, it doesn't have to be just... Uh, congratulations. It can be, uh, if you have any questions, uh, if you have any comments you want to make, anything like that, uh, we'll be willing to take you on the air too. But uh, our line should be filling up with folks who want to call in and tell their folks thanks. Okay, hold on just a second. We got to, <clears throat> okay. Uh, tell their crews thank you. Uh, tell the any of the uh, uh their local folks, thanks. 
in just a little while, we're going to have the folks uh, from Corona, the Corona 210 shoot calling in. Uh, matter of fact, you guys are welcome to start calling anytime you want because uh, I want to give everybody a chance to talk about uh, their uh, talk about their uh, experiences there at the Corona 210. So, if you guys, any of the California folks or, or anybody who is at the event, then you're welcome to call in too at three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. 347-308-8790. Because uh, this last weekend, the folks out in California held a uh, a really big event. It's the biggest one for California so far. Uh, I believe they had 150-plus folks there. I'm not sure it's the biggest one ever. Uh, I believe that was held, that record still held by Indiana with 157, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. I believe it's 157. But it was the biggest one out in California so far, and they had a bang-up time. They just had a really good event there. And uh, any of the California crews would love for you to call in and let us know uh, uh, or let us hear about your experiences there. And uh, and we'll go ahead and take those, start taking those calls uh, from right here from this point on. All right, tonight's show, Audio Video Disco. All right, that's Latin. We use those words every in common usage today. Audio Video Disco. But the Latin translation is I hear, I see, I learn. And these words have become common in their usage today. But they arrived on the planet with a very distinct meaning. And Presented in this phrase here tonight, uh, it has even a more certain meaning. I hear means I'm listening to what is being said. I'm not just sitting here waiting to talk. I'm listening. I'm taking what's being said in, and I'm processing it, and I'm filing it away. I'm not just uh, flapping my jaws until somebody else gets in line, and then I'm going to be sitting there in idle just uh waiting until I get another chance to talk, not listening to what's going on. A lot of people do that. That happens all the time. And if you sit there and you don't say anything and just listen to a conversation, you could see that happening uh, in in almost every conversation uh, where, uh, where there's a large group of folks talking. You can see that in almost every single conversation. You'll see some folks that are sitting there listening and they're looking at one person's face or the other person's face who's talking. And you'll see other folks who are talking, and and when they stop talking, all they're doing, you can look in their eyes, you can see all they're doing is just waiting to get another chance to get up on stage and talk. They're not listening to what's going on. That's not good. You need to be listening to what's going on around you. You need to be hearing what people are saying. You need to be hearing what's being said across the nation. You need to be listening and hearing, hearing what is going on so that you can understand what is headed towards you at freight train speed. Now, video. That's, uh, I see. Video is to see. By that, what I mean is not being so wrapped up 
in your own, my own, small life that I can't see the mechanics of the world, the going on of the world in a bigger picture sense, and then try to understand where I'm fitting into the world. You can't... uh, you can't be so caught up in your own small portion of what's going on that everything else spins about you uh, in a in a blur. Uh, you see people doing this every day too. Now you can see it in a smaller sense in just the way they walk uh, down the street. They're walking down the street and they're looking down at their feet. They're not looking around them. They're not uh, looking ahead to see what's coming. They don't look up behind to see what's behind them or to their left or the right. They're looking down at their feet while they're walking. And these are the folks that uh, that walk into a wall or walk into a trash can because it wasn't there yesterday when they walked by, so they don't expect it to be there today. They're the people that walk off the curb and, bam, they get smacked by the uh, metro bus because they weren't looking to their left or their right. They're looking down at their feet because... They're so wrapped up in their own little portion of the world, of their life, that nothing else is getting into them. Now, this occurs with uh, this occurs with everybody to some extent. You have your own life that you're running, your job, your work, your your funerals, your births, your school graduations, uh, the concerts that you have to go to, your dentist appointment. Uh, your wife's birthday, your kid's birthday, the school meetings, on and on. Your life is filled up. But your life isn't the only life on the planet. You have to be able to look around you and see what's going on. Look at the uh, look at the newspapers. Look at uh, look on the internet for information. Look around you and see what's going on. You have to see it. You're going to listen. You're going to look. And then finally, disco. Now, disco, of course, that brings to everybody's mind the John Travolta with a finger in the air and the the mirrored ball spinning. But disco is actually meant to learn. You're going to listen, you're going to see, and you're going to learn. You can't go through your life putting your hand on the stove every day in order to, to figure out that the stove is in use. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be learning and I take this all the way from uh, from the smallest part of learning uh, of how to tie your shoes, of uh, uh, of how how to uh, say uh, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, uh, thank you, and no, thank you. Uh, all the way from that to learning to conduct how to conduct yourself as a man, as a woman, as a uh, member of your family, as a member of your city or your county or your state, and finally as a member, as a citizen of your nation. One of the reasons that we teach history 
at Appleseed is because the history, the sum of the things that have happened to us as an individual, as a nation, have made us who we are as a person and as a country. The things that have already happened to us. The things that have happened to us prepare us for the things that will happen to us, that could possibly happen to us. You can't be content to uh, to sit idly in your ignorance. You have to commit yourself to learning. To saying, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna get off the couch today, and and by cracky, I'm gonna learn one new thing. I'm gonna read one new book. I'm going to uh, learn a, to sing a new song. I'm gonna do something. I'm going to learn what it takes for me to safeguard the freedoms and liberties of this nation. Maybe you don't know right now, and maybe it's no fault of your own. Maybe nobody ever taught you. Maybe nobody ever told you what your responsibilities were. And as a child, that's not your fault. But if you're an adult... Now there, there's no pointing the finger at anybody for anything. You can, but it doesn't do any good. You can point your finger and say, it's their fault. They never told me. Well, now you're an adult. Now it's all on you. As an adult, you learn. As an adult, you take responsibility. As a citizen of this nation, you learn how to safeguard the freedoms and liberties that living in this nation affords you. I hear, I see, I learn. It's a very, very important concept. And uh, I, I don't mean to give you the explanation of it in such a... Uh, a nebulous or abstract fashion, but I'm depending on you as adults to understand to figure out what I'm saying. I hear, it means I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen to the things that are being told to me. And I'm going to figure out if it's the truth or if I'm being lied to. I'm going to figure it out. Somebody tells me something... I'm not going to immediately swallow it hook, line, and sinker. I'm not going to immediately jump up and down and and press forward on my email because uh, somebody sent me a letter uh, saying that uh, the oxygen in the world was running out. I'll probably first go outside, take a deep breath, and go, I don't know. It's like there's some oxygen in there to me. And then I'm going to to look I'm going to see if it's true or not, and I'm going to learn about it. And this is what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to to take a part in your life. Don't let it fly past you. Don't let it spin past you while you're in a fog. Take an active role in your life. Take responsibility for the things that you are supposed to be doing. 
when we talk about freedoms and liberties in this nation, yes, that covers individual freedoms. But more what it covers is individual responsibilities and collective freedoms. That means that you have a responsibility to ensure that the freedom that you have does not disappear. If the freedoms, the liberties that you have are not, uh, they are not made out of some everlasting material, and they're certainly not made uh, out of something that cannot be lifted uh, or stolen or chopped up or burned. They can disappear without your help, without you to maintain and safeguard them. They can disappear very easily. You can't sit idly by. You can't uh, sit enveloped in a cloud of uh, of ignorance or apathy while this is going on. You've got to take responsibility to listen, to see, and to learn, and make sure that you are doing your part. <clears throat> All right, three four seven three zero eight. Eight seven nine zero three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. Now, while we're waiting, <clears throat> what I wanted to read to you tonight, I've got a couple of uh, short pieces that I want to read, and these uh, pertain to the actual beginning of the separation between uh, England and the colonies. Now, uh, you know that uh, that in the beginning, the American Revolutionary War didn't start uh, in order for the colonists to attain freedoms. They were fighting for their rights. Now, if they'd have been given their rights, then that would have been good. They would have They would have settled for that at that time. I'm not saying that they never would have sought independence. It's kind of a logical outgrowth, but... Certainly, at that time, they were not seeking independence. They were seeking to have their rights uh, and their freedoms guaranteed to them, guaranteed in the British Constitution, have them uh, pertain to the colonists also. So that's what they were fighting for. And you can see in, uh, in much of the writing between the England and the colonies, that uh, this was seen as as a revolt, not as the beginning of a civil war or war for independence. It was seen as a revolt. And uh, believe me, this wasn't something new. It's not as if uh, England and England's colonies did not have uh, uh, quite often, and, and even in its within its own borders, that England did not have to put down revolts on a fairly regular basis. They did. And uh, this was seen as another of those. And uh, on both sides, it was uh, it was assumed that there would be a little bit of fighting and then things would get ironed out, right? Because that's normally what happens with a couple of folks. Like if you have if you have two men that have a disagreement, then normally they'll uh 
they'll have their disagreement, and if one can't make the other one see it, then it, it might come to fisticuffs. And uh, and then in the fisticuffs, uh, usually, very seldom do you ever see a fight somewhere that uh, that is that is regularly carried out to where one person or the other is beaten into submission. Normally, uh, folks will step in and try and stop it, and that's as far as it goes. Uh, and then it's resolved either through a mediation on the, the parts of the two folks involved or or mediation forced upon them by uh, either criminal or civil authorities, right? <clears throat> Very seldom do you see uh, in the normal course of events, I'm not telling you that, that people murder each other every day because of this, but that is not the norm. The norm is you have uh, disagreements, and, and usually it may come to yelling. Then even in the more uh, uh, unusual senses, or in more unusual cases, it will come to blows, to fisticuffs. But very rarely in the course of a day does that, uh, for the for the normal uh, body of Americans, of humans, does it come to one person killing the other person? It was the same way with uh, the events on April 19, 1775, and then for about the first year or so afterwards. And you can see this in much of the communications and uh, you can even see it in some of the flags. If you look at the one flag, it's called the uh, uh, the Grand Union, and uh, that's where you have the uh, the uh, the flag of the colonies. <clears throat> and then up in the upper corner, you'll have the Union Jack. And what they're trying to say is they we want to we we want to be united with uh, our parent country with England. We want to be united with them. We want to be part of them. But we want our we want to be treated uh as members, as respected members of this union and not as uh errant school children. And this was this this idea did not go well uh in England, at least for the majority. There were a great number of folks who completely Disagreed. I don't want anybody to think. If you studied your history, you know that that it, this was not a case of of everyone in England saying, uh, "Let's stomp those colonists. Let's beat them into submission. Let's burn them down. Let's burn their towns down." <clears throat> because they were English. Some people didn't understand it, and of course, as the when the war got into full swing, then yes, it got to be more of that, more of a uh, us versus them. But you have uh, even members of the parliament until the until the Declaration of Independence was declared. Uh, you had plenty of folks in the English Parliament who were arguing against this, and uh, one of the arguments they gave was that uh, an Englishman is the most unfit person there can be to argue another Englishman into bondage. They were completely against this. Uh, and there was a good, there was a, a very large faction. Now, once the Declaration of Independence was, once we had the open declaration, then it was a lot harder because now uh, 
because now the folks who would try to argue uh, the case of the colonists, they were bordering on treason. There were still ears in England willing to listen, but up until that time, up until the Declaration of Independence, uh, this the the consensus was that it could be worked out. That's what both sides were hoping, that it could be worked out equitably, and. <clears throat> That's what most of the folks were were planning on happening until King George sent his response, all right? Now, let me see here. Okay, here we go. And uh, once again, I'm going to be reading to you from... Uh, the Spirit of 76, and I've explained to you guys before, if, uh, if you listen to the show before, then you've heard me say that uh, the reason that I, I enjoy reading from this book so much is because, uh, you know, history comes to you in in two main versions. Uh, one version, the way that most people get history, is because somebody else has gone out and they've read all the letters, they've read all the, uh, all the written records of events that have happened, and they have put them together in a book, and they put their own spin on it, and then they give it to you, and they tell you what happened, uh, or they tell you what they say happened, because they went and they read the stuff, and they they wrote out the what they consider to be the history of it, and sometimes it's right, sometimes it's wrong, uh, but it always has some kind of a spin on it, all right? <clears throat> Another way history gets you to you is by reading the documents themselves. And that is the direct uh, recording of what is of what was going on at that time from the perspective of the person who was uh, witnessing it or who had heard about it and written it down. <clears throat> All right. Uh and I'm not always saying I'm not going to tell you that that's always the uh, that it's always the, the exact uh, true thing that happened, even from the person that was there, because they may not be able to see the whole battlefield. They may not know everything that's going on. They may they only they're only telling you what they themselves witnessed. All right, and that put together with the accounts from other people who had witnessed a, a battle or a situation from different viewpoints, that's what gives you uh, the final overall uh, information on what happened. <clears throat> All right. Uh, this is a discussion of defiance or reconciliation. Now, on May 10th, 1775, the Second Continental Congress formally opened in the State House in Philadelphia. Most of the members who drifted in that week or the next were veterans of the first Congress, but there were some very important additions to this also. Benjamin Franklin, James Wilson, John Hancock, who was shortly to be chosen as president from Massachusetts, George Clinton and Philip Schuler from New York, and in time, 
Thomas Jefferson from Virginia was added. One gratifying addition was a delegate from the frontier colony of Georgia, which had not been represented in the first Congress. There never appeared more perfect unanimity among any set of men, wrote the enthusiastic Richard Henry Lee. But within a short time, unanimity gave way to dissension. Oh, my, there it is. Unanimity gave way to dissension, and isn't that what always happens? There was, however, or appeared to be, unanimity on the appointment of Washington to the chief command post, and at least an appearance of an agreement on the addresses, proclamations, and petitions that strained out of the State House during these early weeks. But differences of opinion over the fundamental questions of separation or reconciliation were deep and grew deeper still with the swift rush of events. What's even more interesting is that uh, these differences were not merely between the radicals like John Adams or Jefferson or between conservatives like uh, Dickinson or Wilson. There were differences in the hearts and minds of, of individuals in the group. Men who seemed far apart in their views, such as uh, John Adams or John Dickinson, found themselves equally torn by doubts and mis- misgivings. Um, we can see this best in the two uh, documents from which we take extracts, and that's the Declaration of Causes and Necessity of Taking Up Arms and the so-called uh, Olive Branch Petition to the King. It's revealing that the same man, John Dickinson, he he helped draft the first, and then he wrote the second, and that John Adams signed both of the documents. It's also suggestive that though uh, Adams thought Dickinson had given a silly cast to the business of uh, the Congress, that he himself was by no means ready to embrace representatives from the upstart colony of Transylvania who had defied the crown and assumed independence. Now, as late as August 25th, this was two months after he'd helped write the Declaration, Jefferson was assuring his, uh, his kinsman, John Randolph, that he was looking with fondness toward a reconciliation with Great Britain. Actually, uh, in all these events, you're going to find that uh, it was actually George III, King George, who did more to help members of Congress make up their minds than any of the maneuvers of any of the folks uh, there in the Congress, any of the, uh, the, you know, the folks pushing one way or another. It was George III who actually ended up pushing folks into the uh, into the main camp. Now, the Olive Branch Petition, which Congress passed in uh, July of 1775, this was entrusted to Richard Penn, who was a descendant of William Penn, whose loyalty could obviously not be suspect. He was sent to uh, Lord Dartmouth to present the Olive Branch Petition. Dartmouth uh, it felt was going to pass on to the king. But with the characteristic stubbornness that George had, he refused even to receive it. He wasn't going to receive it or read it. So the king and his cabinet are determined to listen to nothing from the illegal Congress, to treat with the colonies only one by one, and in no event to recognize them in any form of association. All right? You understand what they're saying? The colonies 
had no right to come together as a group, as an association. They said, we'll talk to the colonies one by one, and that's how they, that's how they were given their charters. And the charters were given to them by the king. They said they would talk to the, the colonies one by one, but that they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't recognize any kind of an association. Now, while the Americans were waiting for an answer, it seemed that the sentiment for reconciliation began to grow. Now, if there had been any encouragement from the mother country, it might have crystallized into a policy. But on November 1st, the Congress heard not only of the rejection of the petition, but that the king had proclaimed the colonies in a state of rebellion. That too, that same day, they, the colonists had got word that the king was planning to hire German mercenaries and that the British Navy had burned the town of Falmouth. Now, after all this, it was, it was getting harder and harder to think of reconciliation, but they still were. So if the king, if he, if, if he would have said, all right, let me see what y'all are saying, if he would have taken and read it, he wouldn't have had to have agreed to it. All he would have had to have said was, let me see what you're saying. Let me see what you're all talking about. And then, uh, and then he could have said, no, condition one, no, condition two, no, condition three, no, and gone down through the list if he'd wanted to. But he didn't. He refused even to, to look at their petition. And this, uh, this caused a hardening of the hearts of the colonists. <clears throat> all right, so... So let's hear, then, what the response to this was. Uh, what I've got here is one of the excerpts from the Declaration of Causes and Necessity of Taking Up Arms. Now, this is a document written by Jefferson and Dickinson and from the Olive Branch Petition. Now, John Adams uh, wrote a letter uh, that was not very uh, – it was castigating Dickinson, all right? And uh, and it ended up in the wrong hands. But uh, but let's read the letter here <clears throat> from John Hancock. Declaration of the Causes and Necessity of Taking Up Arms. We are reduced to the alternative of choosing an unconditional submission to the tyranny of irritated ministers or resistance by force. The latter is our choice. We've counted the cost of this contest and find nothing so dreadful as voluntary slavery, honor, justice, and humanity forbid us tamely to surrender that freedom which we received from our gallant ancestors and which our innocent posterity have a right to receive from us. We cannot endure the infamy and guilt of resigning succeeding generations to that wretchedness which inevitably awaits them if we basely entail hereditary bondage upon them. Our cause is just. Our union is perfect. Our internal resources are great. And, if necessary, foreign assistance is undoubtedly attainable. Now, you understand what he's saying here? <clears throat> now, they had already heard that King George was beginning to hire German mercenaries. Now, this just wasn't done. You don't hire... German, uh, cruel, heartless German mercenaries uh, from another country to come in and subdue your own citizens. You don't do that. That would be like, 
like our current administration, uh, hiring uh, uh, Chinese soldiers to come down and put a, uh, a revolt down in uh, one of the cities in the United States. It's just not done. <coughs> George was planning to do it. And in answer to that, you see here what Hon Hancock says. He says, our internal resources are great, and if necessary, foreign assistance is undoubtedly attainable. Now, what he's hinting to there is seeking out aid from one of Britain's enemies. And obviously, the elephant standing in the room is the French. Now, they've just gone through a long war, the French and Indian War. They've just gone through a long war, and it wasn't, it didn't come out as a, a lopsided, one-sided victory. The French had uh, had fought long and hard, and that had been without uh, or with the uh, they had been put down with the assistance of the American colonists. Now, if the American colonists bonded together with the French, then they would represent uh, uh, a great foe to Britain, and that's what he's hinting at. We gratefully acknowledge as signal instances of the divine favor toward us, that his providence would not permit us to be called into this severe controversy until we were grown up to our present strength, had been previously exercised in warlike operation, and possessed of the means of defending ourselves. With hearts fortified with these animating reflections, we most solemnly, before God and the world, declare that, exerting the utmost energy on those powers, which our benefit creator had graciously bestowed upon us, the arms we have been compelled by our enemies to assume. We will, in defiance of every hazard, with unabating firmness and perseverance, employ for the preservation of our liberties, being with one mind resolved to die free men rather than to live as slaves. Lest this declaration should disquiet the minds of our friends and fellow subjects in any part of the empire, we assure them that we mean not to dissolve that union which has so long and so happily subsisted between us, and which we sincerely wish to see restored. Necessity has not yet driven us into that desperate me measure, nor induced us to excite any other nation to war against them. All right. Uh, let me just make sure that uh, that you're hearing this too. <clears throat> they're saying they're saying that what he's saying right now, this declaration, should not uh, disquiet the minds of our friends and fellow subjects in any part of the empire, not just uh, in Great Britain, but all of the rest of the folks, uh, fellow subjects in any part of the empire. We assure them that we mean not to dissolve the union which has so long and so happily subsisted between us, and which we sincerely wish to see restored. He's saying it right up there. We don't want a separation. We want the union to be restored. Now, but right back to back against that is this. Necessity has not yet driven us into that desperate measure nor induced us to excite any other nation to war against them. Necessity has not yet driven us into in, uh, into exciting any other nation to war against them. But just by the fact that he's spoken, it means it's there it is. There it is right there. 
necessity has not yet uh, induced us to cite any other nation to war against them. We have not raised armies with ambitious designs of separating from Great Britain and establishing independent states. We fight not for glory or for conquest. We exhibit to mankind the remarkable spectacle of a people attacked by unprovoked enemies without any imputation or even suspicion of offenses. With an humble confidence in the mercies of the Supreme and an impartial judge and ruler of the universe, we most devoutly implore his divine goodness to protect us happily through this great conflict to dispose our adversaries to reconciliation on reasonable terms and thereby to relieve the empire from the calamities of civil war. John Hancock, President, Journals of the Continental Congress. All right, he's saying it right there. We want reconciliation. We don't want to dissolve the Union. Uh, They're calling upon God to protect them happily through this great conflict to dispose of our adv- to dispose our adversaries, not to dispose of. All right, let me make sure I, that, that you're not getting that from what I'm reading. They're saying to dispose our adversaries to reconciliation on reasonable terms, and thereby to relieve the empire from the calamities of civil war. All right, we don't want a war, but he keeps bringing that up. He's saying we don't want this. We want union. We don't want a civil war. We don't want to call in other nations to fight against you. But it's left hanging in the air too. We don't want to, but but if 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 all else fails, we will. All right. Now we get to George the Third's proclamation, and uh, as I said, he refused to receive any of the petitions. He received to. to to uh, receive or listen to any of the petitioners that were sent to speak with him. Instead, he was as stubborn as he could be on this. And uh, if you read the histories of George III, it's more, it becomes more understandable. And you can see his position in his mind is much akin to that of Lincoln. He's going to preserve the Union. He's going to preserve what they consider to be their Union, which was the Empire. He's going to preserve the Empire. And in doing so means he cannot listen to anything except uh, submission of the will of England over any of its Empire. So here's what he has to say. Whereas many of our subjects in diverse parts of our colonies and plantations in North America, misled by dangerous and ill-designing men, and forgetting the allegiance which they owe to the power that has protected and supported them, after various disorderly acts committed in disturbance of the public peace, to the obstruction of lawful commerce, and to the suppression and oppression of our loyal subjects carrying on the same, have at length proceeded to open an avowed rebellion by arraying themselves in a hostile manner to withstand the execution of the law and traitorously preparing, ordering, and levying war against us. 
And, whereas there is reason to apprehend that such rebellion hath been much promoted and encouraged by the traitorous correspondence, counsels, and comfort of diverse and wicked and desperate persons within this realm. To the end, therefore, that none of our subjects may neglect or violate their duty through ignorance thereof, or through any doubt of the protection which the law will afford to their loyalty and zeal, we have thought fit, by and with the advice of our Privy Council, to issue our royal proclamation, hereby declaring that not only all of our officers, civil and military, are obliged to exert their utmost endeavors to suppress such rebellion and to bring the traitors to justice, but that our, all our subjects of this realm and the dominions thereunto belonging are bound by law to be aiding and assisting in the suppression of such rebellion, and to disclose and make known all traitorous conspiracies and attempts against us, our crown, and our dignity, and we do accordingly strictly charge and command all our officers, as well civil as military, and all others, our obedient and loyal subjects, to use their utmost endeavors to withstand and suppress such rebellion, and to disclose and make known all treasons and traitorous conspiracies which they shall know to be against us, our crown, and our dignity. And for that purpose, that they transmit to one of our principal secretaries of state or other proper officers due and full information of all persons who shall be found carrying on correspondence with or in any manner or degree aiding or abetting the persons now in open arms and rebellion against our government within any of our colonies and plantations in North America in order to bring to condign punishment the authors, perpetrators, and abettors of such traitorous designs. <clears throat> God save the king. Given at the court of St. James. All right. And you can see very easily, he has left no room whatsoever anywhere. Not only is he saying that the that the colonists uh, are wrong, that they are uh, that they're carrying on an illegal uh, protest revolution. Past that, he's saying that anyone, anyone who's found out to be helping them, and that and by helping, he also just means bringing. Uh, bringing their case before Parliament. You could see that he's saying that very clearly. Uh, he didn't say it right out. But who is uh, trying to help them by bringing, uh, by trying to explain what they're doing, doing is, uh, is going to be held as guilty as them. All right. Uh, And that was it. That's the word from the king. 
that now sets the stage for the next uh, the next round of discussions. All right. Uh, we have some folks. We've got V calling in uh, from California. Let me remind you guys again. Uh, any of the rest of the California crews, and I just got the chat open so I can see that uh, uh, that we've got folks uh, from the California crews in here. Any of the rest of the California crews, uh, we'd like for you to call in 347-308-8790 to give us, uh, uh, to fill us in on your experiences uh, at the Corona 210. All right, V. Welcome to the show. Oh, glad to be here. Am I the first on then? I'm. I'm sorry, I haven't listened to the first part of the show. I was stuck in a meeting at work, so I'm on my way home now. And I was told oh, that's to all right. give a report. <laughs> that's all right. You are the first, and uh, and I know that uh, that the folks in California they get the roughest uh, the roughest treatment by the radio show because uh, because. Uh, on the East Coast, you know, it's uh, it starts at eight o'clock. Here in uh, in the Central, it starts at seven. Now in California, it's five o'clock, and I know yep. you guys uh, aren't home at five o'clock. Y'all, you you got to be sitting in that wonderful uh, California freeway area. So I just uh, I'm just glad that uh, that uh, that some of the folks do get in. So V, you were there. Uh, thanks for calling in and give us a. Uh, Give us your perspective on the event, uh, how it went, uh, some of the highlights of it, and uh, and your own personal uh, critique of it. Uh, well, I wouldn't critique it. It was great. But, I mean, words fail, basically, right? I mean, every apple seed's great. If you have an apple seed with at least 150 people there on Saturday, uh, you know, seven lines spread out there, it, and especially if you got up on the scaffolding on the central uh, line boss's point where you could just look up down both lines both ways, I mean, it was just a tremendous thing. I mean, words found me. I can't really describe it. But I was have on you, the, the been Black Have there been many flight. pictures posted of it? Yeah, there's pictures posted up on the um, uh, Appleseed board and also on the Cowguns board that I've linked to it. So I was on the Black Flight. So, so we had these different flights, seven flights, um, each of about 30 shooters. I think I had 19 on mine, one of which was the owner of Cowguns, which was one of our co-sponsors. So I was going up and down the line teaching uh, shooters, putting them straight, and I suddenly realized when I looked at the guy's name on his back while I was correcting him that, uh, oh, there's the uh, owner of Galgun. So I hope he he takes correction well. (laughs) But anyway, everyone had a good time. Um, The history went really well. Uh, Storm and Norm, the Thompson family, they provided the sound system. Um, And I hope everybody who was there at Corona uh, as the shooters realizes you know, it's very easy for them to look at a, a really professional-looking, slick setup of, of speakers sprung out all along the line and a really good sound system and microphones everywhere. That wasn't a professional sound system that we paid to have brought in. That was one of our volunteers, one of our IITs, uh, volunteering his own personal equipment to set that up. So I hope everybody appreciates that. And, and, and without that, it would have been impossible. Did, um, did the really sound system work out good? Yeah, the, the central uh, uh, guy on the on the um, um, scaffold, uh, usually Bob or Mr. Pete, uh, they basically got a microphone and they're, they're, they're ordering the whole line of 210 shooters, the whole, whole seven flights, they're basically calling the line. 
and then the flight bosses, as we would call them, what would normally be a line boss on a, on a line of 30-odd shooters, they've basically got a paddle, red, red for stop, green for go. They're basically keeping that, that central line boss uh, knowing what the, the individual parts of the line are doing. Um, we run the whole line as one coordinated line. And it worked out really well. And the sound system, you know, you weren't trying to hear. Everybody could clearly hear the line commands. Everybody could clearly hear the history. Um, it, it was it was great. Um, and the system wouldn't have been half as smooth without that. So, again, uh, that, that was Norm and his family. I really want to give a shout-out to them. That, that much appreciated. We sure appreciate that. Uh, everybody, I want to make sure that he knows that uh, I know that you guys have told him, but I want to tell him that we sure appreciate Anytime anybody gives uh, uh, any anybody gives us any kind of donations assistance, uh, that they have our heartfelt uh, appreciation and, and gratitude. So yeah, so, the, the, in all other uh, uh, areas, it was uh, pretty rushed because you know when you run an individual line as a shoot bot, you can run your shooters. You can go a little bit faster or a little bit slower depending on how your line's doing. Well, when we're running all seven flights as one line, you don't really get that luxury. Um, you don't get the luxury of going long on your instruction. You've got to be pretty pretty sharp and know your stuff. Just get it in there, get it out, and then the whole line starts again. Shoot as you're in prep. You get like a one-minute warning that they're going to go back into prep, so you've got to finish up your instruction. Um, all of our two bosses did a real good, um, real good on that simplicity and precision. Uh, all the training that these guys have had from, from Junior Birdman has been uh, really came to play there. So it was a good time, good time had by all. I haven't heard any complaints. <laughs> well, what about the, uh, <clears throat> you said that, uh, and I know, anytime you've got a big machine like that, it's hard to, uh, it's like a train, you know, or traffic. Uh, right. The front vehicle might be moving, uh, and the back line is just sitting there. <clears throat> and I know because... Uh, I think the one of the first apple seeds that we ran here, I had, uh, I think, 88 folks on the line, and uh, and it was definitely sluggish. And we didn't have any sound system, so it was all uh, done by repeaters, which in itself right. that's even that's a big problem there. And I'm never in favor of that, but but when you got a long line, you can't help but do that. Right. <clears throat> what was the uh, the feedback that you got from the folks who were attending it? Uh, yeah, so so you would get from from individual people, you know, it went a little bit fast, maybe you get that on an ordinary shoot, right? I mean, you know, some people want to just focus on one thing, get it right before they move on to the next. But when when your um, initial opening speech sets the scene properly, and you tell people you're going to be opening the fire hose, this is a, you know, you're going to be exposed to all the training, then Sunday you'll get a chance to put it in practice, and you're not going to do it in one apple seed. You're probably going to have to come up and do multiple. Because you set right. that scene, people aren't disappointed, aren't upset about it. So, yeah, people would individually say, yeah, I would have liked more time or I felt a little bit rushed here or there. But overall, they were still, you know, gangbusters happy that they'd come. Um, right, and there's and also the dynamic you know, of the... No, go ahead, go ahead, and, and And understand the other thing is, is yes, we're doing a normal apathy, but this was a constitution one, so we're giving away the free constitutions and we're, we're getting everyone acquainted with that. But also because we had so many sponsors... We're having to to run raffles, uh, 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 you know, draw the raffles and award prizes during the day. We gave out dozens of cold steel knives. We gave away a total of four rifles. 
We gave away a $500 gift certificate. CRPA, Cow Guns, Turner's Outdoorsman, our sponsors, you know, provided all these prizes. So one of the things we I'm really worried about is people turning up at the next apple seed and saying, "Hey, where's the free door gift?" You know? Yeah, where's my guns? Well, yeah, that's the thing too. This, is this they have to understand. They know that. Yeah, they've, they've, folks have to understand too that, uh, and I'm sure that you guys told them that whenever you go to a a special event, because we talk to folks about this uh, on the on the uh, signature events that we run on April 19th, is that. Uh, you know, some events are going to be different. And when you do something like a mass event, that it's by its very nature, it's going to be different than right. a regular event. So they have to understand that, that it's going to be a little bit different than a regular event. Yeah, and it, that, it's uh, not better, it's not worse, it's just different. You know, the, the, you're right. going to lose some of the things that you'd get at a smaller, more personal shoot, but you're going to get an experience of, of just meeting so many fine people and, and just hearing that line go off you know, all those shooters all at once. I mean, that, that's something you don't get in an ordinary shoot. So, yeah, it, it, it's not better or worse, it's different. Right, and you just tell the folks, like I tell the folks when we have a big April 19th event, I say that, uh, you know, all the, uh, I wish that they were, and if they were, well, then we would certainly, we would have to change how we're doing it in the program, but they're not all that big. And that uh, I certainly always invite them to come back to uh, some of the regular size events where they will get... Uh, uh, where it'll be a little bit different, and they'll get more individual uh, instruction, and usually they'll get a little bit more time and stuff for for uh, for honing their individual skills and stuff too. But being part of a of a big event is is like you said, it's a chance to to be in the company of a couple of hundred uh, good folks at the same time, and. Uh, and that has its own values and merits. How many instructors did you guys have to end up running to uh, to run this event? Um, you know, I don't know the actual count. It was around 28, 30. We, we, we met that, you know, the, a line boss and two RSOs uh, for each of the seven flights. So we did meet that. Uh, but there were other people who uh, came up and, and, and joined in. But I want to say, you know, some of the instructors that we had there, IITs, I mean, I, talked, I made especially sure on Sunday to walk up and down and get to know all of them. Um, make, make at least you know get a name and a face together. But there were some guys there that were talking to me. It's like this is their second time under the hat <laughs> at a big 150 shoot, you know, a shoot like this. I mean, what an experience that must be for. I mean, how they phone in and, and post the, the, on that experience? But they're and they did an incredible job. They, you know, the, the normal people problem with IITs. Um, you know, when you first start out, it's very nerve-wracking to walk up to someone on the line who looks like he vaguely knows what he's doing. He's obviously been shooting for a few years, but you're basically going to deconstruct their entire position. You're going to rebuild their whole approach to shooting. That's kind of a big responsibility for instructors. So I've often seen that IITs are kind of, you know, reticent to do that first time out. But thrown in the deep end like this on, on this shoot where you've literally, you know, you're seeing people stretch trying to do this shoot, they all dived in. I didn't see any reticence from any of them. They, they got in there and they were helping all these shooters. Um, and I think they all appreciate it. Well, certainly. And and so how did, was, uh, was the instruction, uh, it was all given at one time for all of the flights, right? Yeah, so when, when you come up, the uh, line boss, the, the main line boss would say, okay, Dean, you know, you're going forward to do this, you're going to teach talking targets, and when you come back, you're going to brief six steps. 
And the way we did it, we have a thing, it's quite funny actually, we call it the circle of instruction. It's actually, so each line is colored, so the, the, the lines were colored, so everyone knew where they were. All the name badges were colored, so you, you were in the black group or the red group or the green group and so on. Well, behind the line, behind the equipment line, will be a big 10-foot uh, radius circle in your color. And that was a circle of instruction. And basically the instructions you give to people is, you know, gather up at the circle of instruction for the six steps or steady hold factors or whatever it was you were teaching at that point, and everyone has to stand inside that circle. Um, and that really gives you that problem, you know, really speeds things up, that problem of getting everyone to, to get up together and get in close so they can see. Uh, having everything working that way and having a definite place to go to and get inside that circle really speeded things up. You weren't wasting your, your five minutes of instruction time trying to gather everyone together. And the shooters, you know, again, shout out to them. They very quickly got the hang of that and, and weren't tardy about moving back and forth. So the event really actually went very smoothly. You'd think for a big event it'd be harder to get things going. It was actually because of the, the fourth discipline of keeping the simplicity and precision, of doing the instruction and not doing the constant, oh, and by the way, one more thing, um, and the shooters knowing that, you know, you have to prep your magazine while you go down, check your targets, come straight back, come straight back to the circle of instruction, don't, you know, sit down and, and, and start talking with people. It, it did keep it going smoothly. Right. Did you guys have any uh, any media, media coverage there, any uh, television stations or newspapers or anything? We did. Um, not 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 the big professional local stations. I didn't see any of those. But we did have Nick Garner, um, a young man. I uh, forget his exact age, nine or ten. Came out with his mum, who is his videographer, and he runs a blog, a website called uh, Sports Talk for Kids. And they've just posted their video we, uh, on YouTube, so we link that on the um, the After Action Report as well. Um, basically, he interviewed all the instructors. He inter interviewed all the kids that were at the shoot. Um, and he's put together a really good blog entry for, for about Appleseed, and he's also put up the video. So he was a right. professional media guy, so and a really good job. I recommend you go see it. Um, they, they did a real good job of that. And he's done he does interviews uh, for for all sorts of sports, all sorts of areas. And it was quite interesting in his blog. He said, you know, I'm not really that fond of guns, but this Appleseed was really great because everyone was there to help me shoot safely, and I gave a real good time. So I think we had, we won another convert there. Perfect. But yeah, now, I, I, I didn't see any local radio stations. Oh, there weren't any? Um, I didn't see any local radio or TV stations or any print media. So. Okay. Well, I talked to Bob about uh, a couple of times about this, about all this event so far. And I'd asked him, Now I asked him to call in too, but I know that uh, he told me that he was going to be working a little bit late and uh, there was a chance that he wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't be able to make it, but uh, he said, or I'd asked him, I said, do you have any kind of uh, uh, any of the uh, the stats on how many folks had been to an apple seed previously or how many were first-timers and, uh, uh, and any of the feedback yet from them on it. Now, I know that there's places that they've posted, and there have been a few blogs where it's been mentioned and stuff like that, but uh, did you do you know yet of how many folks who came to the Corona 210 were first-time shooters or first-time apple shooters? Yeah, I, I could only speak really for my line on the on the Saturday. Um, I don't, don't have a feel for what everyone else was. You know, I'd be guessing if I said it. But but my line, it was like 
um, uh, about two thirds of them are shooters. There was only like one third would be families, little kids, things like that, who were the, the never shot before. And then of those two thirds who were other shooters, about half of them were, were first time apple seeders. Great, perfect. But and that's just my impression from my line. I don't know the exact figures for the whole shoot. Right. And from the folks on your line, the folks that you spoke to, and did you hear? Uh, did you hear much in the conversation when you when you talked to them about this, saying you know that this was a a, a different kind of event? Did you hear much from them about uh, if they said, okay, this is great, we're going to come back to the next one? Where's it going to be? Anything like that? Oh yeah, everyone was interested. A lot, a lot, everyone basically, you know, where's the next apple seed? I want to come to another one. I want to bring more people. So definitely, I mean, the seventh step in was great. Um, in terms of where people had heard about it, uh, the the cow guns and the CRPA mass mailings and Turner Outdoorsman, they did a mass mailing on their uh, email lists. Um, those those were very successful in getting people out. And then there was also the usual of the people who who had done that had heard about it that way. Um, there were people who they brought with them. You know, oh, I heard about it from my friend here. He he brought me in. So the, right. the usual, and I, I was, you know, so half word of mouth and half from our sponsors. They did really well. Well, that's that is very good. And you guys got, uh, and Bob was saying that you guys had gotten a, a great deal of help from them on the mail outs and stuff. That's certainly something we should be uh, taking our cue from from this event from the folks out in California. And uh, I I say it, I yell it uh, all the time, and that is make yourselves alliances make alliances with your uh with your state rifle associations with gun clubs with uh the, whoever you can so that you can have a force multiplier so it's no longer just you uh working on this that you have somebody uh, in your corner helping you do mail outs and stuff like that i wish there was a way v that we could uh and you got maybe you guys are already doing this is to track uh the folks who had come to this event and find out how many other folks it brings in. Uh, what I mean is, uh, uh, like, say you have a you have a big event and you've got 150 folks that come to it, and how many folks come back because they were at this event, and how many folks that they bring with them. Because if you can get 150 folks to one event, and uh, and then and you get a return of two more people for each of those. Uh, so that you end up with a total of 500 folks uh, eventually coming to uh, events there in California because of this, then that would certainly be an excellent return. I'm just wondering if there's any way to track that, and uh, and I hope that we can figure out some way to track that, and I hope that that's what you get off of this, that you get a huge return off of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, certainly I, I'm, I'm sure all of the shoot bosses who are there are going to be really interested in knowing that as well, so they'll track it at their shoots, at subsequent shoots. I'll certainly be doing it, but I don't know that we have any formal way of doing it. I mean, we're like everybody else, right? Everybody signs up for Eventbrite, and you know, the degree of tracking of, of, of riflemen and instructors and so on that we've got is what it is. So we don't have any California-specific right. different system for tracking that. So. Right, and we we don't have one in place either. Although I ask, uh, I just do the 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 normal thing. I ask all of the shoot bosses to please. Uh, Ask the folks at their at the morning meet and greets. Uh, you know, whenever when, what we do is we'll have the morning meet and greet. And that's the first thing that folks do when they they circle up. Is I say, okay, I'm so and so. Introduce myself. Introduce the instructors, and then ask them to introduce themselves 
uh, one by one real quick, just uh, your name, uh, how you heard about Appleseed, and what you're hoping to get out of the day. And uh, and then to keep track of, uh, one of the instructors will be keeping track of uh, who came for what reason. And uh, and that will that gives me a, a good idea of of where we should be concentrating our efforts. And it's always word of mouth is always going to win because it always does. And that's not just at Appleseed. That's that's anywhere you have anything. Word of mouth is how it gets done. But if there's any ever, uh, if we have any concerted efforts anywhere else, like with you guys, uh, with uh, Cal Guns or any of the uh, the other forums that we're working. If folks came because of that, then that's certainly a good thing to know because if you can get them to do it again, uh, then you can hopefully get some of the same turnout. Yeah, I mean, Penny's dad, Jacob, uh, he's a um, board member in, in Cowguns now. He's one of our IITs down here in Southern California. He's responsible for, for getting the, the, the big guns of, of Appleseed and Cowguns to start working together. And even in the shoots before this one, we've started to see more Cowguns people turning up. Um, that's a big plus. Um, I can't make announcements and things. I think that's Bob's job to do. But, but definitely the, the Turner's Outdoors people that came and, and saw what we were doing at, um, um, at Corona uh, are very interested in working with us at shooting, promoting other shoots and, and you know having a, um, um, a vendor's tent or things like that at selected ranges and promoting ranges and helping us promote ranges uh, just at our normal um, um, other shoots. Forget the special occasions. So the, 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 there's already talks about working with things like that, and again the CRPA, uh, the, you know, which is the uh, California chapter of the NRA. Um, they again, were, the reason why they were talking both to us and Cal Guns and getting involved with this event was the same thing. It's, it's hard in those types of organisations, CRPA, the NRA, to, to get people um, up and active and get them out. So again, Appleseed is doing its job. It, it's that get people awake, get them off the couch. Okay, what can I do now to help? Well, you can help Appleseed and grow the program. That's definitely one thing you could do. These other organisations are now where you can go to get politically and financially active, um, and start doing things there. And so CRPA definitely saw that saw that side to it. Again, they'll work with us on on promoting further events. So right, it was and a win-win. I know it's a cliche, but it was a win-win all round. <laughs> yeah, and it and it and it always usually is. And I'm telling you that uh, you will get you not you. Because uh, you guys are doing it out there, I'm telling talk to the rest of the folks out there that you can uh, you can get a lot of assistance, a lot of mileage from your state programs <clears throat> just by asking for it. One of the things that uh, that we do is, uh, and now there is a prohibition against uh, any kind of uh, uh, you know speaking about other organizations or pushing other things, etc during an event, all right? No problem with that because <clears throat> what we do is uh, we have the the uh, the rep, uh, like say we have the Texas State Rifle Association person who wants to speak. We'll have the uh, Appleseed event, and at the uh, end of the day on Sunday, after we close it down, we do the benediction, uh, then we'll tell everybody that the event's officially over, and... Uh, Anybody who would care to stay and listen to uh, the uh, state representative, uh, then they're welcome to do so. And uh, yep. and then the TSRA guy will come up and he will do his 
spiel, and we also we always make sure to, to tell them, look, uh, you know, even though they don't have the same prohibitions of, as us, we make sure they understand that there's no uh, uh, no politics, no pushing one person over the other, etc. And they always adhere to that. They'll say this is this is a candidate for such and such rate, and this is another one, and you can make your decision. And then they can push for their membership afterwards. And we've helped them sign up the folks at events, and they're very grateful for it. And they uh, they always give us a hand uh, with our events. Now, each and every one of you guys in each of your states, you can do the same things. Almost every single state, as far as I know, all of them have state rifle programs, and uh, and they're usually more than willing to give you some kind of assistance. Uh, we've had them pay for. Uh, they paid for the the range uh, and all of the uh, shooters' fees out in El Paso uh, when we did the first event out there, and uh, they've always been helpful. So there's no reason that, that all of you guys should not be getting together and speaking with your state rifle associations and getting on board with them. Yeah, exactly. And the, the other thing I've, I find is, is um, certainly the way we do apple seeds out here is, is you know the, the state rifle boards, all those you know, gun clubs, all those other things. So they, they tend to be full of us frosty old guys who've been shooting for a long time, right? Right. When they come to our apple seeds out here in California, especially you look at the video of, of Corona, you just see families and young kids out there. I mean, I'm talking real young kids, seven, eight, nine, tens. You know, the, the, these organisations get excited that they see that we're not just getting out the frosty, discontent. Um, you know people off the couch. Right. We're, we're bringing families out to celebrate a heritage and a history, and they see that kind of positive thing and that energy at the shoot. That's what gets, uh, certainly what I've seen other people that get them excited about. They can see, you know, not selling to a dwindling, dying market of old guys, but they can see new customers. They can see new, oh, yeah. new um, um, uh, people to sell to. That, that's what gets them excited. It does get them excited, and they, and every single time, uh, well, there's only been one time for each of the, the state rifle guys, but uh, when they come to the event, and like you said, they'll look at it and they'll see the folks there, they'll see the whole show, uh, and we got one to shoot one day in one of the events, and uh, they 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 were surprised because, like you said, I think that they were thinking that it was going to be more of the uh, the camouflage bunker crowd and uh, yeah. Yeah. you know a bunch of guys uh, you know with long hair and beards and. Uh, and doing the Charlton Heston speech, and uh, when they saw that it was families, they they were they were really excited because they're I know exactly what they were thinking is how can we do this? How can we benefit from this? Because that's yeah. what they want to do. That's what they have to do to survive. And so here we are. Here's the here's their ticket, and uh, and they're usually always willing to help. I've got uh, I have some discussions going on now with the Ray that. Uh, that we'll talk to you guys more about fairly soon, but they have kind of the same uh, the same ideas. And you look at some of the organizations, like the the, the rifle organizations, or even sometimes some of the NRA stuff, because it's it, it has traditionally been ruled by uh, you know by the old dudes, and and most of the organizations and I'm not just talking about just the NRA I'm talking about all of the rifle organizations usually to an organization uh they are usually their motto is if it's not uh if they're not members of our own XYZ then to heck with them and uh, 
And that's what we want to try and change because my philosophy has always been that, look, uh, as individual organizations, it's not too hard to put the boot on any one of us and grind us down. But if we make our alliances, if we start uh, cementing alliances with the different groups, uh, then it gets a lot harder. Every time uh, Appleseed is recognized by a state organization or a national organization, then it's a lot harder for folks to say that, we, that we're some crazy upstart group uh, of, uh, uh, of maniacal militia folks because, because, first of all, we're not, and second of all, we've been recognized uh, by this group who, who is already has a cloak of legitimacy on, and by us yeah, to, uh, to aligning ourselves with, with them. To be honest with you, I, I felt that we, we're past that stage. We've been past that stage for nearly two years now. I mean, the early stages out of here trying to get, get ranges, there was that. But now out here in California, it's just, it's just you know, when can you come to our range? Why, why aren't you coming to our range? Well, because we, we need to get more instructors, you know. Oh, so yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely with the folks. Yeah, definitely with the shooting folks, yeah. Because, you know, I, no, I hear no, the I same think, thing. I think, you know, I want to say that because I want all the IITs out there who are thinking, you know, people who've come to our shoots who want to go and talk to their own local range about it, you know, don't feel that you're going to have a problem selling the Appleseed program to them. It's, they've probably heard about it and, you know, they'd, they'd be excited to find someone who's been to one and has gotten in and knows some of the instructors who could actually get an Appleseed to come to their range. You know, we, we should be much more uh, proactive about the, the what we've got, you know, it, the, that people want it. It's not us trying to persuade people too much anymore. Oh, right. No, I, I completely agree. And I'm not saying that we uh, that we need anybody else's okay uh, to make us acceptable. We already are. I'm just saying right. that every time that, uh, that so-and-so uh, who doesn't know about us and he says, uh, and he reads something that says, uh, uh, the California Appleseed... Uh, Rifle Marksmanship Organization, in conjunction with the uh, uh, California Rifle Program and Cal Guns, is putting on an event. Then, then there you go. It's good to go. Then, <clears throat> while all of the, while almost all of the ranges and folks are shooting him now, we're at that point where, where we are way past having to say to co- give a complete explanation of who we are. It still makes it a lot easier to get uh, other folks who aren't as up on us to come if. Uh, uh, if they see us uh, standing there with their state rifle organization, you know, it's just a, it's just a, a, an additional benefit for us. Oh yeah, yeah definitely. Well, what's uh, what's the next thing then for California? Because I know that you didn't, uh, you guys went into this, but I know that you got to have something that you're planning to uh, to use to uh, uh, to take advantage of this. What do you guys have coming up next? Oh, I'll have to leave Bob to tell you that. <laughs> he doesn't tell me the long-term strategic plans. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully Bob will call in. He said he was going to, but uh, like I said, he still may not be home. <clears throat> I mean, so, so well, certainly um, we're, we're taking over the whole of the West Coast and moving eastwards. So, um, I mean, definitely that's in the plans. <laughs> well, I know that uh, I know that you guys have been well, almost since the very beginning, you guys have been uh, 
uh, going across border. Matter of fact, uh, I believe you you have your own uh, state that you have kind of adopted uh, Utah, right, or Nevada? Yeah, unofficially, I'm not I'm, I'm nothing official about it. I'm not the state coordinator or anything like that. But yeah, unofficially, uh, I, I've been helping out Utah, and in fact, um, that's that's proving. I don't know if you saw on the boards today. There's uh, Jim and Kim, Colorado's state coordinators. They went to a, a um, uh, an expo where they got over 5,000 people, did a really good presentation there, and they're rolling that out around the state, and they're going to Utah next. So they were just up on the boards this morning doing that. So the guys in Utah have leapt on that and are helping them to set that up when it comes to Salt Lake City. So if you want to go read the Utah boards and see the posts in there about that, that will be a good thing to do. Well, I, so, yeah, I, we, I read we, the, we the message from her. Right. Uh, I read the message from her, and she said that they uh, – that they actually had gone a step further and said uh, that the they wanted them to start running an indoor uh, air gun apple seed there at the events at the expo. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're talking about like a, I think it was like twenty by sixty feet or something like that. You know, we're not talking about a little table in the corner. We're talking about a big setup. So they need all the help. So I, I put the shout out for all the Utah instructors that I've been working with, and and they'll, they'll put the shout out to all the people they know. And um, you know, hopefully we'll get some good support in there and be able to run that. So uh, I have every confidence they'll do that. So go well, Utah. <laughs> but that sounds great. Uh, all right. So you worked the event this last weekend. What is your schedule looking like uh, for you specifically, V? Uh, like for the the next few months leading into the new year. Uh, well, I, I got my Utah shoot is uh, the definite one I'm on. I, I'm actually having to, to slack off at the end of this year. My my work is really uh, grinding. So normally I was doing like 20 shoots a year. I think I'm down to 10 or something this year. So the tail end of this year is going to be slower for me. There's the Alaska shoot coming up. Um, I'm probably going to do what the senior instructors really should do. Um, I'll be running more IBCs rather than shoots. I, I, I also stand there, you know, ready for any shoots that fall short that need a shoot boss step in at the last minute but, but basically I, I think uh, Nevada was talking about organizing an IBC the uh, Utah guys when they close down this last shoot at the end of this year they're going to be wanting to get their guys for an IBC ready for next year um, so I kind of try and organize and, and organize around that so I wait for people to get the, 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 the uh, critical mass together and do that uh, right that's and that's what my, you should be stuff. doing I mean you should be uh, and uh, and first off let me say thanks because the you have been uh, you've been the epitome of what what the program looks for when when we're looking for instructors. You've done an absolutely fantastic job up and above and beyond what we ask of our instructors, and you've done a fantastic job. And what you're getting ready to do exactly what what you should be doing, which is handing is start to transition and handing the reins over to the next uh, generation of folks and and making sure that they're getting good instruction from the IBCs and the RBCs and uh, and letting them step up and uh take on the responsibilities. Now, I know for me that was hard. Uh I still do uh, like a minimum of uh 14 shoots or so a year uh this last year. But before that I was doing uh like you know, doing twenty, twenty one, twenty two, twenty three. And and it was kind of hard not to do the same thing again. But one of the things I found is that uh, is that 
when the is every one of those shoots that I was doing that I was taking, uh, I was kind of in essence taking it away from somebody else, and yeah. uh, and I don't want to keep doing that. So I still I will still go to shoots and I, and uh, but but very seldom will I ever do I shoot boss anymore. I mean I will, but usually what I do is I'll I'll make sure that the rest of the folks are shoot bossing and then I'll show up uh, to the different events. And then try and make sure that they are staying uh, within the parameters of what we would like them to do as far as as running a good shoot, uh, running a good show for the organization. And that's what I'm trying to do now is make sure that I'm. Uh, I don't mean stepping out of the way. I just mean uh, giving the rest of the guys uh, their time, their their opportunity to step up and do what they should be doing. Because if if we keep if if we keep doing it, then that's taking the shoots away from them, and we don't want to do that. We want to make sure that we yeah, I mean, that we're having the, a the, good. Go ahead. That, that was exactly what we did with the uh, Corona 210. I mean, you know, Bob uh, threw that up there, and here's a here's a something to aim for, something to aim high for, and Mr. P, Justin Freeman, all the other guys, they all stepped up to to run and organize that. Yeah, we're there as kind of the safety net and step in and cover any holes that get lost. But basically, you know, those guys stepped up to the plate and, and, and ran this thing, uh, organized it. They, they, I mean, people don't see the kind of organization that goes on behind the scenes for these things. But those guys were running the uh, uh, weekly conference calls and getting things organized, pulling it all together. And, and that's exactly how we do it, is, you know, throw people in at the deep end, be there to help, but, but let them run with it because they need to, to, to run the program. Um, right. But people aren't interested in, in us old guys and what our problems are. You know, we, we're no longer there having fun at a shoot. We're now the bad <laughs> people who turn up to make sure you're doing it right. No one wants to talk. Oh my God, Bill's got my shoot. What am I doing wrong? Um, you know, but no one's interested in those problems that we have. Let's talk about something else. Well, Let somebody else talk. <laughs> well, we have uh, we have a great organization, and we've got a. Uh, we got a, a great group of guys. Me, uh, up through the ranks, and uh, I'm very, very excited. You know, every time guys that are coming in, and uh, and I see the the excitement that they have. Uh, not just that, but the but the when you talk to the folks at the, on Sunday, you have the benediction, and at the, at the end of it, you have the folks. Uh, and you know what I'm talking about—the folks that don't want to leave, they want to right, right. to stay and keep talking, and they and they want to find out how they can get involved. And and to me, that's like that's like the best part of the event, right there, is uh, is having the new folks come on and seeing the excitement that they have, uh, you know, for the organization. And and that's what I was talking about earlier. <clears throat> now we had our own we had our own giveaway. Uh, this last weekend, uh, and you missed that because you you weren't there, you weren't on the line yet. But uh, we had a uh, a young man who had been with the program for uh, for about three years, and he had turned he had just turned 15 last week, which meant he was now eligible to receive his red hat. So he tested for it and and he got his hat. But his grandfather, who's been bringing him all these years, his grandfather is is one of my most trusted and uh, and favorite instructors, and matter of fact, we gave him the name of Old Reliable because uh, he is an old guy, 
but he's there every time. And, you know, there's no event that, uh, that we have here that he doesn't show up for and work hard at getting ready, doing all the stuff uh, for it. And then he's always been bringing his grandson every time to make sure his grandson is working, doing his, uh, 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 his homework and uh, getting ready. Anyway, he passed the, the red hat. We awarded him the red hat. And then as, as our gift to, to him, to the young instructor, and as to a gift to his grandfather, we, uh, the Texas instructors had gotten together and we pitched in and we, we got him a M1 Garand from uh, CMT. And uh, we gave it to him this last weekend. And, uh, and I was telling folks earlier that that, that to me is one of the most exciting parts of the program is seeing the young folks who are involved in the program and who are uh, who are going to be the backbone of the program, you know, in the coming years. And and knowing, you know, I wish I wish that was me. I wish I had gotten uh, the education, the instruction when I was uh, twelve, thirteen, and fourteen. I'm trying to think of how much more I could have done until waiting until I was a uh, an old fat man at 40 uh, before I ever got involved with uh, with the program. But seeing them, seeing them coming up and uh, and taking on the responsibility is very very gratifying. But so we did. We gave a rifle away too. But uh, we also mentioned there that uh, that that's not something we always do. So don't everybody be expecting when they get a redhead they're going to get a grand. <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's magic about those Garands, right? I mean, not to take away from our sponsors, but, you know, giving away the seven uh, Marlin 795s and the Ruger 1022s, yeah, people were excited to get them. But you should have seen the guy that won the Garand. I mean, him and his son, I mean, they were just leaping about the place. And, of course, they just get to, you know, sign over the documentation, the CNR with uh, with Cam there, and they're walking off with their rifle. Everyone else has got to wait 10 days. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely, uh, de- and the same thing, you know, that 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 dad and his son, you know, that we're, we're going to go shoot this grand now, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, the excitement's just just great. It's what we live for, right? <laughs> well, that's fantastic. <clears throat> well, do you have anything else that you wanted to get out about the uh, uh, about the event about um, the Corona two ten? Like I say, it, it, um, there, there's just so much. I mean, what can you say? Um, I can give another shout-out to Junior Birdman. I, I had a great one there. I, uh, Bob was laughing at me. But I had the SKS shooter there, you know, with the, the rear sight all the way down. And he's, <laughs> I'm aiming three, three inches high to try and hit these squares. Well, okay, let's go through the inches minutes clicks again. If we put this up on two, because known distance, right? You know, I did the, the old... Uh, JB come up problem from hell there, and we we just yeah. did the wine, showed him the SKS adjustment tool and how to use it. He didn't know what one of those was. He had the rifle, never seen the tool. So we did well, three up because of the going to the two, and nine down, which is a turn and a quarter. So let's go. You should be on there. And of course, he went down the next course of fire, and they're all there in the black. He was like, he was knocked away with that. This program's great. How do you learn all that stuff? And it's like, well, you know, come to Apple Seed, we'll teach you all this stuff. It's pretty straightforward, right? Um, that was great. I mean, that's the first time I've been able to put a, a JB problem from hell right there on the on the course. And if I've been doing a normal apple seed shoot, that's the kind of thing where you stop, bring everyone around, and use it as a teaching moment. Right. Right. But I was kind of stuck there with because we're trying to stick with the line that's coming over the sound system, and you have to stick with the times. It's basically I had like five minutes to just quickly explain to him what I was doing and how I was doing it, so that the light bulb could go on in in his head. 
of, of really this stuff is not just why do we convert to minutes again? It's oh, that seems complicated. Why do we do all this? He actually saw this tangible. Here's how you do it. I've shot once. I do a measurement. I make the adjustment because I can calculate exactly what I need to do. You put the clicks on and bang, you're, you're sighted in. Yeah, so but he I, was definitely he was that, definitely excited. <laughs> yeah, I bet the look on his face was priceless. Yeah, uh, exactly. because yeah. when somebody does that, I can always tell whenever somebody says, uh, you know, what does this do or how should I do it? And I say, well, you just we just told you, right? Is what you do, and uh, and you give them the clicks and give them. Uh, I, I don't give them. I make them work to it, unless it's right. like a speed case, like you were talking about. If it's something that where I have to get them caught up real quickly. Uh, then and get them on the paper because I don't want to wait too more. I let him I let him through it, you know, step by step. So, you know, how how much is a minute of angle at 25 yards again? What are we doing there? So you're three inches up. So how many MOAs? You know, I forced him very quickly through it. And but basically, I knew where I was going, right? But, but he basically right. Wow. Look, you know, light bulb came on. Yeah, but like you said, they, they get that look, and they I, I've seen them before. They bang. They'll they'll hit it. Yeah. They'll turn around and look at you like. Yeah. It's like they, they said, yeah, I'm listening to what you're saying, and I'm going to do what you say, but I know it's not going to work. I know that you're just telling me a bunch of gobbledygook, and this isn't going right, to work. Right. And then, bam, it works, and they go, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, it's it's, it's voodoo, you know? Right. <clears throat> well, so I'll that be was, sure and tell him. That was him. a personal high spot, but. Did you, did you tell JB about that? Um, no, I haven't talked to JB, but I'm sure you'll hear it. Bob, Bob will pass on because Bob was killing himself laughing, laughing over it. He was up on the tower. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, <clears throat> I'd like to tell everybody involved in the the Corona 210. Thank you, all of you guys out there, all the instructors who put this together and uh, who put their hearts into it and donated their time and their effort to it. Thank you so much. And V, thank you because I know that you put a lot into this, but I know that you put a lot into all your events and that you spend a lot of time uh, really working your program and making sure that the folks involved in the program uh, who are working under you or with you or peripherally peripherally with you, uh, that you're giving them the benefit of your uh, knowledge and skills and and making a better program for it. So my thanks to all of the California folks. I'm giving you my specific thanks, V, because I got you right here on the phone with me. But <laughs> I'm going to give everybody uh, out there the thanks uh, because, uh, and I tell folks this all the time, I'm really, really so proud of uh, of being able to call the folks in California my friends and and the job that they're doing in California, you know, at the beginning, before we crossed the border into California, uh, everybody had nothing but uh, uh, but gook stuff to say. They would yeah, uh, right. they, they they never thought anything was going to happen of it, and they always used to make jokes about it. And uh, and then here it is, just a few short years later, and California is leading the nation. Uh, they have the the most instructors, the most shoots, uh, the most members of the program, and. And, and they are rocketing uh, into the program. And I've always said this. Here's my saying: is that you know people always say you're the, the uh, uh, as California goes, so goes the nation. And that has always been my true hope too. 
that if California is doing this, then the rest of us can do the same thing. V, thanks uh, so much for calling into light tonight and letting the folks know how the Corona 210 went. Uh, and God bless you and keep you and yours. And uh, and be sure to call in uh, on a fairly regular basis if you wouldn't mind and uh, let us know how things are going there. Yes, sure, we'll do. I'll see if I can fit it in. <laughs> no, of course I will. Be. All right. Uh, th- thanks for everything you do as well. Texas is no slacker either. <laughs> well, we're, hey, we're giving it a go. All right, listen, everybody, <laughs> we'll see you this next uh, Thursday night, 7 p.m. Central. Hopefully by then I'll uh, have a good line on uh, when uh, Dr. Fisher is going to be coming on. Uh, so until this next uh, this next Thursday, everybody, good night. Take care. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.